Yes, hello, and welcome to Bio2040, where we interview thought leaders in the field of biomedical research, drug discovery, and we try to discover the biggest opportunities and bottlenecks that are preventing us from finding cures to cure all human diseases. And today, I'm very excited to have Ashley Farley. She's a librarian by training and also now in charge of some of the open access and open research initiatives at the Gates Foundation. So, Ashley, welcome to By2040. Thanks. Very excited to be a part of this. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. My pleasure is mine. So, Ashley, uh, you know, you guys are doing a lot of great things over at the Gates Foundation, and that's why I, I, uh, I'm just really excited to have you on. Uh, to give our listeners a little bit of background, can you tell us sort of, uh, you know, who you are, and uh, what's gotten you to that role at, at the Gates Foundation and, and what you what you do there now? Definitely. So I've worked in both public and academic libraries my pretty much my entire career since I was a, a student worker at university. And I've always had a love for, for knowledge and curating knowledge. And I've uh, worked in academic libraries helping with access to research. Uh, but at the time, I, I really didn't know anything about open access. Um, you know, the movement had been around for a while in the past decade. But um, I was going to the University of Washington to complete my master's in library and information sciences. And I was lucky enough to you know, try to take a less traditional library path at that point. And I ended up uh, obtaining a internship at the Gates Foundation. And that's where I first learned about open access. It was right around the time the open access policy had been announced here. And so I was helping support the, the implementation and the communication of the policy. And since then, I have stayed on and uh, it's been over two and a half years now. And I absolutely love the work and I, I love being here and supporting the mission of opening up research for everyone globally. And so I focus a lot on our open access initiatives, such as, uh, you know, the policy. And then we have Kronos, which is a platform that we built to help support the, the policy. And I can talk more to that as well as Gates Open Research, which we just launched recently, which is a different form of, of publishing. So those are kind of our two major initiatives. And now we're looking forward to expanding outside of, of open access to, you know, open research and open science. And what does that mean? And how can we integrate that into our work? I uh, work closely with grantees, helping them comply with the policy, uh, making sure that they're publishing um, compliant to the policy and, and making sure that we, we cover and we're very lucky to be able to cover the uh, any associated fees with those publications. Mm. Wonderful. Th th thanks for that information. I'd love to uh, get a little bit deeper into one or two of the initiatives that you guys have uh, launched. And, and specifically, uh, uh, you know, I saw headlines, I think it was maybe a month or two ago, uh, around, well, Gates Open Research that you just mentioned, and, and sort of, uh, I remember a sort of a press release, and it was, it was, uh, it had something to do with uh, uh, you guys is, uh, you know, doing so many efforts, but one that the NIH and the other funders were, were seemed to be really excited about it. it was like, hey, you guys are really doing interesting stuff in the area of open access and now open research. So, so, so tell us how did uh, what is what is Gates Open Research? 
Yeah, so Gates Open Research is a publishing platform that's built off of F1000 technology. So they've been around, I believe, since 2006 now, and they have a different approach to publishing that differs from uh, traditional publishing, as you know it, which hasn't changed overall uh, in you know the past uh, well since it was. Uh, you know, initiated and and we see that you know as far as technology has come, the pro- publishing process hasn't um, hasn't changed or adapted to those techno- technological changes. And so, this is a really good opportunity to see how uh, we can we can embrace technology and and change the the idea of publishing. So oftentimes, you know, researchers are very focused on, okay, it's a publication, it's one and done. Uh, but Gates Open Research is, is more of a, a living document. Uh, it's completely version control and everything is open and transparent. And one of the things that I'm most excited about for the platform is the fact that it's it's all inclusive and we aren't editorializing or there's no kind of novelty standards to be met. I mean, of course, there are basic checks to ensure uh, scientific soundness. Um, only Gates grantees can can publish on this platform. So the the idea is that they've already been vetted in order to get a grant from us. So we've kind of done that initial vetting process. So we trust the publication outputs. Uh, but it's 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 open to authors to decide what is important information. I mean, we've seen. Oftentimes in the space that uh, especially grantees in the global south have difficulty getting publications in certain journals and and so that science number one isn't being shared and you know number two it's not helping them advance their career or their objectives. We do a lot of work in the agriculture and um, the sanitation uh, work, which isn't you know, maybe considered sexy science, but is still very important and can have impact on people's lives. And so we want to make sure that that research is readily available for anybody to be able to build upon it and learn from it. And we are following the footsteps of a welcome trust and their welcome open research platform. So they were the first to do this with F1000 and they've had their platform open for a year. And I, I recommend checking out, they produced a report on their first year findings. And, and we hope that in a year we'll be in a similar pace, place to see you know, how many publications there have been, maybe the impact and reach of those publications, um, the different types. So we we want to support publication of, of negative or null results uh, and any reproducibility studies or any focus on protocols and, and uh, data sets. So something that might not normally be published in a traditional journal, but still can have impact on the scientific community. Yeah, definitely. Great. Uh, so, so um, you know, uh, talking the issue of reproducibility is a big one. Uh, I just had uh, another guest on, um, Lenny from Protocols at IO. We, we talked a lot about reproducibility, uh, and as well as uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, publishing negative results. I think those are two of the core uh, items that I keep hearing in my my conversations with people in and around scientists and, and people in the publishing industry. So, so maybe we can. Uh, dig a little bit deeper into into those issues um so uh, you know maybe we'll start with the negative results that you just mentioned um how is that um uh how are you what's your sense of like in 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 the traditional uh publishing industry that seems to be something that doesn't happen very often how are you and your program your initiative incentivizing what is different about how the way you're doing it um, so that we that you can get some of these negative results published. What are the incentives 
for, for scientists to do that and, and what's what's happening with that data. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, I think, especially incentives are something that we, we're consistently discussing here and uh, trying to improve. And I think, you know, giving publication credit to those negative results is, is important um, and showing kind of the process behind it. And so shifting the focus away from, you know, maybe any novel results or something being kind of revolutionary to being just sound science and, and supporting openness. And so I would, I would love to see us as an organization really focus on that, uh, especially in in the grant making process and having that being very, very forward and kind of um, front loading the process and, and showing that openness is important to us and, and the, um, and the, and the results and the collaborations that arise from that and that those those kind of connections and being able to see researchers confidently share their results, whether they were the results that they hoped for, whether, you know, they they see um, see it supporting, you know, their hypothesis, but 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 having that confidence in order to share it so that others can learn from it and, and then be able to, you know, pivot the research moving forward. I mean, I think is really important, especially in grant making, because, you know, we, we of course want to see a specific result uh, and we have quite lofty goals here, such as, you know, eradicating malaria. That's not something mm-hmm. that's going to, you know, happen in, in, in one grant or in one single uh, research. So having all the mm-hmm. available outputs is really important so that we can, we can learn and adapt and adjust. And, and we want the, the, this data to be available to everyone outside of our institution. You know, we're not working in a vacuum. Uh, so I think that's yeah. that's really important, and it's it's been difficult um, to do and support and communicate. Um, and I think it's it's part of an overall learning process that's going to take some time to adapt to, and letting grantees know that you know this is this is what we would like to see, and that that they can uh-huh. they can publish those types of results and not have um, a negative impact. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean. You know, especially in, in the in the biomedical space, where it takes so much uh, uh, resources and so much time and so many resources to 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 get experiments done, and and then and then uh, it's important that the, the negative results get shared as well, so that others don't try the same thing, and right. you know, we kind of keep wasting the same the same dollars and the same uh, uh, same cells and all that. So um, I think that's great, and then and and then on the uh, side of the reproducibility what is uh, gates open research um what's the idea here that you guys are are, how how are you guys addressing that are you are you um asking people to publish more detailed protocols or like how is that sort of built into the platform i think it's built into the platform in the way that they curate the data for us so f1000 does a fantastic job of requiring the underlying data which is also part of our policy but it's it's kind of open-ended and vague at this point and something that we hope to really uh, look at and, and tighten our, our objectives around moving forward. Um, right now we leave it, you know, pretty much up to the authors to decide what is the underlying data and what, what data should be available in order to reproduce or replicate or re do any reanalysis. Um, and we haven't, 
investigated this a lot, but I think I think um, Gates Open Research is a good start of how that process can be done well. And so making sure that mm-hmm. we're actually linking to data sets and repositories, um, making sure the proper license is attributed to the data sets. Because I've done some very brief looking in, in past publications within the last year, 18 months, and and kind of seeing, you know, how journals serve up that data. And a lot of times mm-hmm. it's, it's first off, it's not machine readable. Um, so it makes it difficult if you think of larger projects in the, you know, where AI is headed. So we want to make sure that that's possible. But just a lot of data that ends up in, in PDFs um, are just, they're not uh, easily accessible and and able to manipulate and reuse them. Uh, so that's that's mm-hmm. one thing that the F1000 has tackled with their open research platforms is making sure they're directly directly linking to uh, data sets that can easily and readily be used. Making sure the code is included. Um, of course, we mm-hmm. we know there are there are ethical and um, other reasons why data can't be shared, but we want to at least acknowledge that and have that recorded of like, okay, this was, you know, government data that we actually can't mm-hmm. or don't have the license to share, but here's where you could go to mm-hmm. get it. So I think that's a huge mm-hmm. step in the right direction. And mm-hmm. and it goes along to, you know, what you'd mentioned or touched on earlier um, is that this is, this takes a lot of time and money and resources to curate and do, and um, we are we are definitely learning that now. And I think that'll inform you know how we we handle the grant making and the grant process. You know, thinking of mm-hmm. of ways that this data can be collected and curated from the very beginning of the research project, so it's not something that's done just at the publication. And I think that'll mm-hmm. be important um, as we develop open research practices moving forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's important that uh, actually for the audience that we, we define just briefly maybe some terms. Uh, two, two questions that come, come up. One, uh, uh, I want to – let's finish the, the – the, well, open research, uh, Gates Open Research, you've are, you're also innovating on the uh, publishing uh, process, right? I, I, I think you're, you're – you're, there's a – tell us, a, you, you submit a paper mm-hmm. and then within seven days – uh, uh, this gets uh, put online, I think, yep. and then there's an open peer review. Walk us a little bit through wh- how it, what is it you're doing and how does that compare? How is that really different from what, other, what most other publishers do? Definitely. So uh, at the, as the foundation, we, we are using the F1000 technology and they are su- – they're providing all the editorial support. So the foundation itself is not editorializing. Um, we are making this available to grantees. And then the process is, um, if you're a grantee, you can submit any kind of research output that you that you want to share with, with the, um, everyone. And then it goes through a basic scientific soundness check and uh, making sure that the data is available. And then within seven days, it's made available online, somewhat similar to a preprint. Um, mm-hmm. And then it, it, it goes through uh, author-invited open peer review. And then we do have peer review mm-hmm. criteria, of course. And so, you know, F1000 manages making sure that the peer reviewers meet that criteria. And then they're invited and it's named open peer review. You can even cite the peer review, which I think is really exciting. Um, that, that helps incentivize um, making these reports and a lot of them have fantastic information uh, in there so people can can cite them elsewhere and then um, mm-hmm. there's a, a 
check system. So you can approve it right off the bat as a reviewer. You can approve it, but with reservations and name what your reservations are, or um, you give mm-hmm. it an X and say, no, this, this is not, this should not move forward to publication for these reasons. And then the authors are able to respond and produce a new version that addresses those concerns. And I've seen a lot of great examples, especially in the F1000 platform itself of, of authors, you know, inviting more peer reviewers, really engaging. It, it builds more of a conversation around the science itself, uh, which is something that's mm-hmm. typically been a black box and um mm-hmm. i think it, it so, so this 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 peer review is is public so people yes. can actually see who said what and when yep. and you can and, see conflict uh, of interest okay. statements you can see mm-hmm. you know who who they're affiliated with um so a lot of that information is is all visible so that readers can really make informed decisions on the science itself Got it. That's really interesting. You also mentioned uh, something I was curious about was the author invited. Yeah. Does that mean that so the person who is writing the paper gets to pick the reviewer? Is that is that, that correct? That is correct. Yeah, and like I said, there's okay. there's criteria, um, so they can't be you know partners on the project or they can't be within the same institution. Um, but they are naming mm. experts within, within the field that are qualified to, to peer review their work. And we do, you know, F1000 mm-hmm. does offer some assistance and they have um, a tool to use as well to find experts in the similar fields um, if the authors are not able to. And actually uh, there are quite a few traditional journals that also um, request peer reviewers from the author themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So that's just curious to to hear. Uh, you know, as, uh, as we're looking at that, you know, some people are going as far the other direction where they're doing like double, yeah. triple blind <laughs> reviews, and, yeah. and you're sort of going, no, you can actually uh, you can actually pick and and choose uh, who you want to review. I know I understand there's criteria, but I'm uh, I guess I I'm just curious what that means for the dynamics of of uh, uh, you know, am I am I gonna do you think there's a chance that this, this, um, uh, I mean, is there a downside? Is there, is there a potential of, of, I, I might have people on that, that, uh, the, the, the rejection rate might be lower than if it was mm-hmm. anonymous or, or do you think it's, it's not a concern? Oh, well, it's definitely something that, uh, grantees and, and others have, have brought to our attention. And I think that the most important, most important aspect of it is the fact that it's open so anybody looking at this this piece of research can decide whether or not the peer reviewed is justified or on track or mm. um, you know if it's is people are putting their their names on this so there's a certain you know mm-hmm. credibility mm-hmm. of of their feedback and they want to be critical but constructive and I think that that is seen in in these reports that are posted live whereas. Typically, I mean, you don't see this at all. So you have you have no idea how critical they were and if it was you know justified. Mm. And, um, right. you know, we've talked with groups that even with closed peer review, the the research community is so um, tight and, and close that they can actually usually figure out who the peer reviewer is, even if it is double blind. Right. And, you know, there's been instances right, right, of bullying right. and I think just just opening it up is going to, to lead mm. to much, much better outcomes. V- very interesting. To, to, and, and yeah, no, I think it's definitely um, a little scary, but I think there's been great <laughs> success so, so far, and, and I'm excited to see where, where it goes. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see as well. I was just wondering, is there a way for, let's say, I, I wasn't invited uh, to be uh, uh, a peer reviewer, but, but sort of, I'm still sort of an expert in that field. Yeah. Is there any way that I can make a comment, or can I, can I? What are my options then to say, hey, this is really good, or maybe, hey, this is really, this doesn't hold up, guys. Like, they do allow for comments, and um, but they do have to be named, and you have to be affiliated with a university or other institution mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. adds credibility. So it's not, you know, it's not the internet. <laughs> it's not, you know, Reddit, Reddit, yeah, yeah, where you yeah. can have like anybody post, um, and there are guidelines. They do monitor to make sure that everything is is constructive and. Um, there are abuses of that, uh, but certainly, and we and we we hope that's what happens uh, because I think that's that's where the science and ideas really improve is when there's this open collaborative discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, gr- great. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to um, ask about is is you know uh, for our listeners here, open access. Uh, I'm assuming at this point many of our listeners are familiar with what that is. Uh, you know, being able to uh, access articles freely on the internet without having to go through a paywall or be a, an elite institution. But but open research. What is what is uh, your definition of, of what is open research, and how does that uh, how does that sort of happen? Is that is it different from open access? And if so, oh yes, it's most different. That most definitely, and uh, <laughs> and I think we we are still working on on the definition. We're actually. Uh, working with a, a group at McGill University um, on, on uh, setting open research uh, indicators. So you know, how do you, number one, define open research? And then what are the indicators to, to point to successes and, and impact and to say that, you know, this is open research and how it's happening? To me, um, I, I envision kind of a research process that that is, you know, open from start to finish, um, that encompasses open data, open publication, the associated licensing with that. Um, so, you know, even having maybe, a, you know, public uh, grant process and then review, pre-registration. So these are the types of things that um, – Mm. Um, mm. like the open science framework, I think Got is it. great. And that that's a great idea of kind of front loading openness throughout the entire project instead of, you know, being at the end mm. and trying to decide, you know, how do you, how do you uh, package this data to make it available? Um, there are also some great initiatives around uh, open lab notebooks, which I think is really exciting right. and um, I love following kind of those examples to see the types of collaboration and the impact that that arise from those projects that are typically, you know, you don't hear about them until they've concluded and then, you know, a year probably till publication. And so to me, open research is just just the idea of having that entire process um, as public as, as possible. And I know that there's a, a lot of work around what that infrastructure looks like. How do we ensure protections? Um, but I I think that that there's a lot of um, great work happening in that space right now. Yeah. No, I, I actually just had uh, Rachel Harding from from oh, uh, great. Yeah. Scribbles yep. on. So she's been, she's a bit uh, she's doing she's she's been blogging and and she has her lab. Uh, lab notes on on, on Zenodo, and so so it's a it was an exciting conversation. So our listeners, uh, if you haven't already, go maybe if you're interested, go back to that episode. Um, 
so, so I want to ask also about uh, the, uh, the, you know, the opportunities, but also the challenges. So, so, you know, it's one thing to provide uh, the infrastructure and it's a, it's a great first step now and, and, and people are adopting it, right? But it's it, the, the scientific community is, it's very big and it's, it's a very, very, very small part that is, that is uh, open access is happening, uh, at a, you know, progressing faster with open research. It's really like this entire process, you know, from the grant to pre-registering that you mentioned to, uh, you know, the data alongside with it, the protocols alongside with it, or even publishing uh, results on the go versus waiting uh, two or three years before they publish. So there's a lot of more things that could be open that are currently open. I, I want to ask you, you know, you, that you're, you've been thinking, researching and, and, and doing things in that space for, for, for a while now. What are, what is, what are the biggest uh, objections that people have or what is, uh, what is in the way of, of getting us to more people adopting uh, this open research uh, philosophy? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, hurdle that we are seeing and hope to try and improve upon in the future is uh, career advancement and those incentive structures. Um, it's and I I totally understand and you know we hear from our grantees that you know hey they need to publish in certain publications that have certain supposed high impact factors um, that that lead to career advancement for them. Um, but that's not necessarily focused on the research itself. And so how do we, you know, shift that paradigm to, um, to make it so that openness has, has a strong incentive system as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's, yeah, that's what I think is, is one of the, the biggest hurdles that we have. And that's why adoption isn't high is because there's a lot of fear around, you know, leaving the the status Mm -hmm. quo and, you know, what does that mean for career advancements and, you know, early career researchers are often told like this, you know, this is how it works. This is how it has to be done. And so there isn't quite that ability to, to work outside that system and change that system. And I think as funders, you know, we have a lot of influence over that, uh, but it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we best engage with universities to change those those practices and um you know how do we how do we influence those incentives and change that yeah yeah no specifically i i wanted to know is is there um something specific that you've already i mean obviously as as the funder you know you're holding that carrot and you can sort of require a few things at the same time you probably don't want to uh jeopardize someone's career right so is there a sort of hybrid way where I can, um, you know, be, let's say, on uh, Gates Open Research and, and publish some of my stuff or all of my stuff, but I still have the door open to to maybe submit my paper to, uh, you know, Seller Nature? Or, or how does that, what's your, uh, your, your uh, thinking on that? How do we, uh, as we're in this transition phase, uh, is there, is there, is, is it a binary thing or is there a way to do a, uh, have one foot in, in each domain and sort of try to get the best, uh, have your cake and eat yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure there is, I mean, right now, you know, grantees can't publish in nature. They're not compliant with our policy. And that's, you know, definitely um, a concern to, to grantees, but we haven't had anybody turn down funding yet that I know of. Um, and I think it's, it's just mm-hmm. up to, to us. It, yeah, so yeah. just understand it's, it, Sorry, sorry to interrupt no. you here, but but is it is it because 
they, uh, nature is not open access, but could they could they could they publish in in in, in, in say uh, plus one? Would that be okay? okay. Or what are the the guidelines? That you're Definitely, yeah. So the the policy kind of has three main tenets that are really important to us. So you know, it's got to be an open access option, of course, and then uh, immediate. Uh, access so no embargo um, so that's so some some publishers have had embargoes so that means that they aren't compliant and then we do require a CC by license so it's the the flavor of Creative Commons licensing that we think is most open and most um, productive for reuse and and reproducibility. Um, so those are the three criteria and there are journals that don't meet that and Nature is definitely one of them. Mm. And uh, this is all Got for it. grant agreements that have uh, our peer review and publications clause. So that's anything made after January 1st, 2015. And we have been working closely with publishers to try and reach compliancy and try different models. So, you know, that is something that we're doing, but I wouldn't say it's it's a main focus. I mean, we, we do want our grantees to be able to publish, you know, wherever they want and what helps their career the most. But I think mm-hmm. we're also going to shift right. to thinking of, okay, how do we change those career incentives? Um, because that is definitely the concern that Got comes it. up, you know, I, I need to publish here for my, my career. Um, but we also want... Right access to that information so that we can see more impact and more innovation in, in the research space. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. So it looks like we're, we're still very much of this still seems to be uh, in the works. I know you guys just mm-hmm. launched it and, and it's, it's very exciting. And, and it seems that like we, we, you guys, but all of us are thinking and, and working in the space uh, are still working on, uh, um, you know, alleviating some of these fears, uh, you know, bringing up better uh, showing, uh, hopefully also changing the minds at some point of people that are making these hiring decisions, right? And, and uh, uh, that they can look at, hey, somebody published on, uh, you know, Gates Open Research and, 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 and they had lots of great peer review there or uh, that, that we can start to see that credit coming also. Uh, uh, being attributed not and not only if you were in nature, exactly or not, right. So it uh, looks like there's still some <laughs> yeah, looks like there's still some work yes. ahead. Uh, but you guys uh, have a big uh, you know big name. There's a lot of money at the yeah. Gates Foundation, so uh, hopefully you guys will be uh, uh, as you've already done. The Gates Foundation already done so much good work uh, in 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 so many uh, areas, and so. I am. I am uh, at least very. I'm very up. Yes, oh, I am. I am as well. Uh, there's. There's definitely a lot of great work happening yeah. in the space. We've also, within the last year, uh, joined a group called the Open Research Funders Group, and so that's a, a group where funders are trying to get together to align these ideals and policies and change our grant making processes, uh, which I think is fantastic because it's going to help move you know the space forward. But it's also helpful for your grantees who are juggling a lot of, you know, they have three different funders whose policies, you know, trump other policies and how do they navigate that space and, you know, the publishing process isn't easy. And so we're really trying to work as a collaborative group to alleviate a lot of these issues and then innovate in the future. Yeah, great. That's great that you're also doing that in in a collaborative spirit with other groups. And then hopefully that happens. uh, That's, I think, it seems like a right way to go to get a coalition of people and then it can just have so much more credibility and traction with, 
with scientists much much faster and and, and hopefully other funders and, and definitely and it's, it's a very well. complex so, space so, really, so it's uh i think that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, the more i'm learning right. about it the more I'm realizing <laughs> all these hidden incentives and, and people that have their own they built up some reputation or something and they also have a, an interest at stake so so uh, uh very interesting very cool uh to hear that you're moving in that and, and that you're working together with others and it's and we're going to be excited to see and uh, follow the traction there uh um, you were almost at the end here. So I, uh, the last question I always like to ask my guests is looking into the future. Uh, what are, is there a technology, uh, a movement, a research, a website or anything that comes to mind that, that has you particularly excited that you think is going to uh, make a dent that our listeners should, uh, should know about? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. I have been following a research study, which I should pull up, um, that it's through the, I believe it's through the Public Knowledge Project, and they're taking a look at um, what we've talked about, this incentive structure, and, but from a very research perspective. Um, so actually looking at as much of the promotion and tenure materials um, as possible, and then analyzing how much openness is mentioned. And I believe that the first pass, um, it was like less than, than 2% of, of the universities were actually citing, you know, being open as, as something that would help with promotion and tenure. And so I think there's just a huge opportunity there to really address um, how that's done, because I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, well, you know, you have to publish in high impact journals if you want to get a job and, and promotion, but there's not a lot of actual data that backs that up. So this is kind of very data driven to look at mm. the issue and then, how, you know, mm -hmm. how can we move forward? So I've, I've been following that, um, which I think will be exciting to see more results and, you know, using that to inform the work that we're doing. Um, yeah, there's always, always interesting um, technologies popping up. I've, I've, I've met with a group recently that are trying to kick off a project called data seer, which is something that, uh, could help during the publication process or even post publication, help researchers package up their data and, and, um, to publish it in a way that kind of with similar to Gates open research, but a bit more prescriptive of, you know, you've mentioned this protocol or you've mentioned this process in your paper. Do you want to link to that data set? Do you want to include that code? Um, so I think that that's something that could be very helpful. Uh, the publishing process, as most know, is very arduous. And, and I just, I liked seeing, Mm -hmm. technologies that are helping to streamline that and make it easier um, and faster and and opening up the the results and, and data so that things are improved moving forward. Got it. Cool. I'd love to, uh, if you, uh, after the show, can can uh, send me that study yeah, you I just mentioned. Uh, I'd I, love I, to, uh, uh, I'd love to see that myself and then maybe we can link it. Yes, in the in the show notes in the summary, so that people can can look at that as well. And and uh, yeah, I I think uh, you know to end on a uh, uh, kind of a summary. I think what I'm hearing uh, in this conversation, as well as in others I've had, it's it's it looks like it's going to be really a you know the the, the way to change is going to be really a, a multi prong approach, like different stakeholders getting together, 
from from various parts of the of the you know the, the publishing, but the funders and the scientists uh, getting together and bi- both building uh, new technology and building the infrastructure from a, from a technical point of view, but then as well as just thinking about uh, changing minds and changing mindsets around uh, what really matters uh, in order to uh, show that you're doing good work in science and, and making sure that you know the, the meritocracy stays there and that people who do good work have a chance to you know advance in their careers and, and get the grants and, and the positions that they want and so it's it looks like we need both technology as well as social uh, engineering yeah. uh, if you will to to make that happen so um, yeah Ashley uh, thank you so much for coming on on the show Thanks for having me um, it was wonderful to have you uh, learned a lot more about uh, Gates Open Research. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing more of these efforts coming out. And uh, uh, awesome. we'll be following. Fantastic. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. This has been Flavio Room at Bio2040. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you did, uh, please uh, spread the word, tell your friends and colleagues about it. Uh, maybe uh, leave us a rating uh, in the iTunes uh, store and uh, also feel free to email us and send us suggestions for uh, other guests uh, we should be having on the show, people that are working in the field of research or working on software or tools to advance and speed up how research can spread and help find cures for all human diseases. And again, the name is Flavio Rump and you can reach me at flavio.rump at gmail.com. Thanks, and see you in the next show. Bye.